Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Uncensored CMO. In this episode, I'm meeting with the CMO of NBC Universal. If you don't know, they are the biggest media company in the US. And I want to find out what can we learn from the CMO who's charged with marketing NBC and all the events they do, all the engagement they do, and the incredible shows and talents that they manage. What can we learn from them? This is a great conversation with Josh Feldman. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thanks, John. Great to be here. Good. Good to have you on. Um, let's start at the beginning. You, you, you've had a career in broadcasting in the media. Now you're the CMO for NBC. Uh, really, really exciting role. But tell us how you got into this industry in the first place and what brought you to this point today. I've always been interested in advertising and uh, I actually was an advertising major at Michigan State University and just kind of knew this was the industry I wanted to be in. Thought I wanted to be on the creative side early on and then I learned about the ad sales side of the business and realized that actually the best salespeople are creative salespeople. So I was able to kind of take that creativity bug that I had early on and apply it to advertising in a sales capacity and uh, worked for many, many years at Turner Broadcasting and did a lot of fun things over there, including help launch Adult Swim and grow that brand from the very, very early stages. And that's where I saw this industry sort of evolving over the you know course of time and realized it was going to be really, you know, two very distinct paths in advertising, right? One is obviously your data-driven, programmatic, audience-seeking um, buying. And then there's going to be the part of advertising where advertisers are going to still really want to be close to media companies' IP, talent, you know, great content and storytelling. And I've always kind of you know leaned heavier to that side of the business. So uh, I made a decision to you know change up my career a little bit and uh, get out of straight sales role and uh, moved over here to NBC Universal originally to run their integrated marketing teams within the sales division, and then just continued to kind of bring the creative teams under my umbrella, the trade marketing teams under the, my umbrella, the commerce teams, and so on. So now I'm a chief marketing officer specifically for the sales and partnership division. Great. I, th- I think we're in a similar position, actually, because I, I, I've been kind of, I've been a CMO most of my career or, or, or in marketing up to CMO. And then I've gone into a sales role as well, where I'm using my kind of CMO skills on the other side, which is quite interesting. So what's, um, what has being, you know, coming from advertising and being, being a CMO, but now in more of a sales or business development capacity, um, what, what, how does that help you do your job better? You know, people think of CMOs obviously very much as marketers. I very much lean specifically on the B2B side of being a CMO, right? We have amazing CMOs here that are consumer-based every single day. I'm thinking about ways that we can either generate revenue incoming to our company or create new revenue opportunities for the company. So when I think of what my role is, I think of servicing advertisers on how they can show up within NBC Universal's IP, whether that is through product placement to custom content to experiential But the other half of my role is also how NBCU shows up externally, right? So almost like a little bit of an internal agency type function of how we're showing up at different places, whether it's can lion to, you know, our upfront event that we run at Radio City Music Hall. So it's kind of a two-way street, but it's always with this sort of B2B mentality uh, either way. Now, I'd love to talk about the B2B bit because like probably one of the 
most frequent questions I get asked is, John, you must do a podcast on B2B. Is that, is the, is the one thing that a lot of us are in B2B, aren't we? And so there's a huge interest in how you get it right. Um, and, and actually, I'm in a B2B role now, actually, which is, which is, which is huge fun. But it's quite different, isn't it, from kind of what people traditionally think of B2C. And you're selling advertising to advertisers doing mass market campaigns. But what are the main kind of strategies you've deployed from a B2B point of view that, you know, help make NBC so successful? Yeah, look, the reason I like it is because you absolutely must use your left side of your brain and your right side of your brain, right? It is equal amount creativity as it is sort of monetization opportunities, right? So when I think about, you know, what success looks like, I look at partnerships at the end of the day because almost everything we're doing is going to be in conjunction with somebody else. So what's the ultimate win-win um, on how we're going to do it, right? And when somebody from a marketing team walks into a room with a client, it has a little bit of a different meaning than if it's just a salesperson walking in or somebody else. Now, look, we're complete partners with the sales team and we're doing things to support them, but we're coming at it from an angle of always looking to solve our clients' problems or try and figure out how to solve our own company's problems at the same time. That, that is such a good insight. I remember um, running a sales function years ago in my career. And I, on my business card, I had marketing director. Because what I found is when you go and meet a client, you say, I'm from the marketing team. They suddenly like open up to you and they go, oh, yeah, we've got this much budget and we want to do this. And can you help? When you turn up as a sales director, they're suddenly like arms folded and go, okay, go on then, sell to me. You know, It's a different relationship, isn't it? And just it the idea of framing, in fact, in my System One role, actually, we, we have a very clear strategy of partnership. So we want to build partnerships where we can add value both ways, you know, and that, that's been hugely successful for us. So I think part, partnerships is amazing. Um, partnerships, is one, what else would you do in terms of strategy? I mean, I know you run, we'll come and talk about some events you run as well, but events presumably are pretty important when you're bringing so many advertisers together with, you know, your talent and content, that must be a, a big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. So if you look at, you know, the way my team is set up is uh, we have a group of integrated marketers that are the front door in for all of our clients, right? This place, NBC Universal, when I say this place, is massive, right? It is really, really hard to navigate multiple broadcast networks, multiple cable networks, you know, a uh, huge amount of digital offerings. It's really, really hard. So we have a team of people that are there to solve any issue for a client, whether it's a one-off integration to uh, I want to do something that includes your theme parks and your movie studios and everything you have together. That's one place that's in there. Then we have creative and development teams, those are the teams that are really tied directly to our IP in a very unique way, right? If we're going to be doing something with The Tonight Show or Watch What Happens Live, these are the teams that own those relationships with those showrunners and executive producers to make sure that we're doing everything authentically for our audiences in a very specific way. Our trade marketing team is how we're showing up. They're our strategy of how we're going to show up and really be able to monetize all of those assets in a huge way and work with our events team to make sure everything that we do for a client externally is flawless in every single step of the way. Um, our commerce team is there to build offerings and collapse that funnel to really you know, make um, everything that we do 
valuable for our clients in a new and unique way. So each of the functions is a very unique function that works sort of side by side with each other, but all with the goal of making our clients' lives easier and to sell their products at the end of the day. And there's a number of events where you get together with your clients. I, know, I mean, we were in Cannes, weren't we, this, this summer, and that's huge for you guys. So what's your approach to Cannes and why is Cannes so important for, for you guys? Well, first of all, it's amazing how many people and what level of clients show up at Cannes, right? This has become the event where you know you're going to get all your C-level meetings um, at Cannes now. So what we do, instead of just trying to show up in a more basic way, is we choose very specific themes and we target all of our meetings around those two themes. So this past year, uh, the Olympics was a huge theme for us. Because obviously, being in the south of France, we're one year out from the Paris Olympics. That made a lot of sense. So we brought a ton of Olympians and Paralympians with us. We brought our production teams, and we did a number of panels and events and meetings around that. The second um, major thing we focused on at this year's Cannes Lion event was we announced our SNL 50 initiative. So Saturday Night Live will be in its 50th season, and we're doing our huge 50-year episode, uh, 50-season episode, excuse me, in February of 2025. So we've created this great opportunity for advertisers to come along for a ride. We're launching it at the Olympics next year, and there's like this seven- or eight-month window where we're going to be doing all of these different events from, you know, concerts at, at Radio City Music Hall to clip-based shows of the history of it to documentaries around the, the show's history that advertisers can get closer to Saturday Night Live than ever before. So we've brought that all together, and that was another major initiative that we brought out at the Can Lion Festival. Well, we'll come and talk about some more events in a second, so I know you've got a really exciting one just coming up in, in a couple of weeks' time. But it's interesting how many of your shows have run for a very, very long time, haven't they? And even even shows like Friends that, uh, I mean, my daughters love Friends, you know, and even though, you know, the, we're a completely different generation, yeah. you know, I, I, I was, you know, uh, you know, late teens when Friends was launched and now my teenage daughters love it. it. It seems to, some of your shows seem to span generations and almost the longer they go, the better they become. And I find it amazing. I mean, just this past Saturday night, I literally... Watch Saturday Night Live with my 12-year-old son. He loves Pete Davidson. He loves SNL, right? He'll yeah. watch it yeah. no matter who the host is. Um, so, you know, it's amazing to me to know that I absolutely watched Saturday Night Live when I was 12 years old, and here I am watching it with my 12-year-old today. So, but there's, you know, that's the beauty of a company like this is the iconic nature of so much of our program. So you think about the Today Show on how long that's been on. If you think about, like we said, Saturday Night Live, there's just so much here that the Tonight Show that has been on for so long, but then there's also so much new um, and learning. So to get those base audiences and use that as a marketing opportunity to, to introduce all of our new programming is pretty amazing. you obviously got relationships with, with some of the world's biggest advertisers and what would you say is the secret to building a really, really good client relationship with, with these people? You've got to listen, right? You've got to listen to what their needs are, what their objectives are. You can't just walk into a room and talk about what you have, right? The beauty of the tool chest of working here from our news division to our Hispanic division to cable to, to broadcast is we have a solution for everyone. We, we reach 90% of the country every given month huge English language, huge Spanish language. Um, we need to hear what our clients' objectives are. 
what success looked like for them, and then custom build something around those objectives. So not walking in with an idea, walking out with thoughts on what the idea could be to solve their problem. That, that's spot on. I remember once being pitched for an agency and uh, they came in and they were telling me the six things they could do. And we got like 50 minutes into our hour meeting. I stopped the meeting. I said, can I just say something? You haven't asked me a single question yeah. and you don't even know yep. what I might be interested in buying. And I can tell you that none of those six things are on my mind at the moment. It's crazy. Absolutely. And, um, I, I did years ago, I did negotiation training. And the very first thing they teach you, like literally number one, is the art of the reverse interview, which is just when you turn up to meet someone you haven't met before, you know, potential customer, just ask them some basic questions about how's it going? What are your objectives? You know, are you succeeding? What's keeping you up at night? If there's one thing you had to, you know, fix, what would it be? And just some simple questions like that. Suddenly you understand. And the thing that always blew me away is, is it's hardly ever what you think it is. And you go, oh, right, that's what you're worried about. And then, yep. so what you might have gone thinking, I'm going to sell them this. Actually, you go, actually, I'm going to sell them that, you know, because it's something else completely different. But that is so not well understood, I find. I, I'm amazed at how many people, you know, just go straight in it. Let me tell you 20 reasons why our agency Absolutely. is better than any other agency. Well, whatever, so yeah. we'll spend so much time working to perfect a deck, right? With the ideas and the right fonts and all of the imagery and all of that. And then I always say it as soon as the deck's done, I'm like, all right, so the really successful meeting is we're not even going to take this deck out, right? Like we need it. You need it to ref refer to things. You need it in case things aren't going well, but the best meetings, you don't need to even take that deck out. It's funny, actually. I remember with my team, I think it was about last year, we had a really amazing meeting with, it, with, with, it, with a big, big customer. And um, afterwards, it, internally, people heard about this meeting gone really well. And um, I then spoke to the person that was presenting the deck and I got this slightly awkward feedback going, I don't think it was as good as you think, John. I'm like, why, why, why? I, I only presented half the deck. And I'm like, <laughs> no, it's brilliant. Yeah. I said, the point was we stopped presenting and we started listening. And because we started listening, we knew exactly what it was the customer wanted. And it was like a five-star meeting because by the end, they were completely happy and they knew that we, they were in safe hands and that we understood what they wanted. But the poor guy that had written the deck of 60 pages was upset because when he got halfway through. And that's probably more than we should have done. <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. It's so true, isn't it? Um, I wanted to ask you about um, full funnel marketing, right? Because mm -hmm. um, I know you're very passionate about end of funnel and so on. But so what, uh, talk to me about your point of view about funnel marketing and how, you know, we can, how the end of the funnel is so important. And well, I think that, you know, that there's been this very big distinction, top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, bottom of the funnel. And I think that previously there were certain mediums that, oh, that's only good for top of the funnel and that's better for bottom of the funnel. And quite frankly, that was the truth at the time that I wouldn't, wouldn't deny that. But with the way companies have gone and with the way technology has evolved right now, I think there's really a collapsing of the funnel happening at this real time. And I look at our commerce business as a real big example of that, right? We have the ability to create something for a partner, for a client that will give them exposure, can introduce a new brand, can give them that big, massive audience that people can learn about what their brand is while still buying it in real time on any screen that we have, right? Whether it's linear, whether it's Peacock and streaming, whether it's digital, whether it's with a partnership, with a social platform, 
we can now sell directly to our audience wherever they are because we know they're watching our IP and our content in all different places at all different times. So that's really what we're all about is trying to reach the audiences wherever they are, have them lean forward with great storytelling, great content, and then be able to sell our clients' products in real time to them, which is a huge differentiator on where we were just a few years we ago. Have, we have this show in the UK, uh, reality show called Love Islands. I don't know if you've come, oh, sure. come across we Love have Islands. On Peacock. Oh, you have, we yeah, have yeah, it. yeah, of yes, course. Absolutely. And like, they have this, um, they, they give them these water bottles with their name on. And it, you know, it's something that you just don't think is that important. You've got to stay hydrated because it's, it's in a hot venue. But those water bottles are just insanely popular and everyone wants the water bottle with their name on it sort of thing. So that's where that kind of opportunity to be, you know, to, to, to meet, you know, creativity and commerce together is insanely, you know, cool. Yep. Brilliant. Love it. Now, I really want to talk to you about an event you've got coming up because this slightly blows my mind, I have to say. But um, okay. obviously, you know, Bravo channel. Actually, for everyone listening, before we talk about it, uh, what are some of the shows you've got on your Bravo channel? Because oh, we've, they're, I mean, they're, they're hugely popular. We've got the Real Housewife franchises of all different places. Um, we've got... Vanderpump Rules, we've got Below Deck, we've got Top Chef. I mean, we have a multitude, uh, Summer House and Winter House. Uh, there's a multitude of really phenomenal programming, and it's all kind of brought together um, by the ringmaster of Andy Cohen, who uh, uh, hosts a show called Watch What Happens Live, which is really there just to update our fans on what happened on the show behind the scenes of what the show they just watched. So what's happened is that, you know, it has become one of the most popular, iconic brands in the history of cable television. And the fan base to this day is rabid. They cannot get enough. And, you know, when there's drama on the show, it spills out into the world. And uh, it's what everybody's talking about. So this uh, BravoCon is our way of celebrating everything that happens on the Bravo Network. And uh, what we're doing is uh, we're bringing 160, we call them Bravo Liberties, um, which are the stars of our Bravo shows. We're bringing over 160 Bravo Liberties with us to Las Vegas. And our fans will get to meet them, interact with them, hear them on panels, hear them getting interviewed by Andy, and do a bunch of amazing, amazing things over a three-day period. Now, this slightly blows my mind, right? Because, like, you know, I get people are passionate about watching a TV show, but I mean, how much would be a VIP ticket? Give so, an example. I believe our, v, our three-day VIP tickets, I believe, sold for around $1,200 each. We sold tens of thousands of them. The day they went on sale, every single one of them was in the shopping cart to be purchased within 90 seconds. Every single one of them. I mean, this is, sold this is out insane. immediately. Um, so that's how uh, important and big this yeah. is for our fan base. So they'll all be coming along and, uh, you know, the fans just go absolutely crazy. So doing in Las Vegas this year is absolutely perfect. It gives us this huge, huge space to do it. Um, it's a beautiful venue and uh, we're really, really excited for it. And of course, our advertising partners get to come along for the ride and we do a lot of really amazing things there. Uh, we have State Farm and Lays as our two presenting sponsors this year. But, you know, we have, you know, 
multiple, multiple sponsors that are going to do all different types of activations that range from experiential to podcasts to, you know, live streaming to we've created a whole room called the Bravo Bazaar, which is in essence selling products. So a lot of our Bravo celebrities also own their own businesses. So you'll know about their personal businesses through the shows because they're obviously talking about them on the shows. It's your chance to go and meet that Bravo celebrity and buy their products directly from them. And then we also bring along other non-Bravo celebrity brands to be a part of the bazaar as well. So it's really just this amazing, amazing space it's Comic-Con, but for, for Bravo specifically, for one particular brand, where, where Comic-Con yeah. encompasses the entire entertainment industry. And I've been to multiple Comic-Cons. I love Comic-Con. This is even crazier because it's for one particular uh, the, brand. Well, that's the thing that blows my mind. I, you know, I get having, I don't know, the, 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 the television kind of event or something, but to have a specific channel with just those shows, with all the celebrities, it's Te- Tens of thousands. So wait, just to put it in perspective, the tickets purchased from all 50 states, so people will be flying to Las Vegas, Nevada from all 50 states and from over 10 countries internationally beyond the United States as well. So this has become a global event for us. So that's how big it is right now. That's insane. Um, so give, give an example of a brand that's activated that really well, because it's really interesting how you get, you know, I mean, you, you know, you could be on the Super Bowl, the Olympics advertising, or you could be advertising to a specific area of Real Housewives from Las Vegas, let's say, for example, mm-hmm. can't you? So you can go from something very mainstream to really quite targeted and specific. So how do brands take advantage of that? Or give us an example of a brand that's really activated cleverly. Yeah, so, you know, State Farm is back for the third year. So we built out a huge um, area specifically for them, which is a place that people come Each of these brands are doing deals with specific Bravo celebrities that will then, you know, show up and do a number of different things for the brand itself. Uh, Of course, State Farm's bringing Jake with them. (laughs) Let me tell you, last year at BravoCon, the line (laughs) to take selfies with Jake was as long as any of our Bravo celebrities. I give him full credit. This is mad. Full credit. A made up character in in a TV commercial has become a celebrity. Hey, he's based upon their real, uh, you know, people that call in for, for, you know, to State Farm. So he's become an incredible figure. Um, But, you know, we... Based upon what the brand is, we do very, very specific things to them. So I can't give away everything we're doing this year because it's premiering in a couple of weeks. Um, but each brand will have a very specific area. And like, so for example, Wayfair is coming along this year. So we're going to create, you know, lounges with uh, a lounge area specifically with Wayfair furniture that you can watch panels from there, but they'll be themed based upon different Real Housewives executions and so on. So everything ties back to Bravo in some way, shape or form, because that's why everybody's there at the end of the day. But this halo effect for our advertising partners is really, really tremendous. And what would you, what would be your advice to for brands in terms of how to work with talent? Like how how do you get the best out, best out of a talent deal, for example? To me, it's always about making sure that they believe in your brand first and foremost, and that they can be authentic talking about it. Right? You don't want to do a partnership with a talent just because they're popular. You want to do it because they actually believe in your brand, your brand attributes. They're either personal fans or they use your product and they could talk to it personally. So when we look at how we partner 
talent with that. That's exactly what we're looking at. When we have our database of hundreds and hundreds of talent that we work with across all of NBC Universal, we know their hobbies. We know if they're parents or not. We know, you know, where they grew up because then what we're trying to do is trying to figure out, right? So if you're a, a product that, you know, is targeting mothers, who are mothers? But that's low-hanging fruit, right? If you're somebody, if you want to know who owns a cat, we know it down to that level because they're a cat lover and they would be good for a particular product. So it's, it's finding that sort of mesh together. It's not just about how many social followers they have. It's about them being authentic to your brand. No, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and also you, you have impact even beyond the network, of course, don't you? We were talking earlier about movies launching and actually how, you know, Real Housewives will be talking about a movie and that can have a big impact on, you know, people then going in to see it. As a it's follow-up. become one of our most f- fun things to do. Our studio partners come to us all the time. And instead of just running traditional clip-based spots on our air, we can intertwine housewives in this case, either talking about the clips or reenacting things or adding to what the scene may be. We've done it in all different types of creative executions and our social media blows up after we do it. Our fans absolutely love it. It's become a thing that we do on a regular basis. Amazing, isn't it? Um, well, move, move, moving to a slightly different gear, actually. So that, that, is, that, that shows how targeted and, and, and smart you can be. But obviously you guys in the other end of the spectrum, we talked, you know, you talked about Cannes and, and Paris for next year. You're also a sponsor of the Olympics, of course. Or no, not a sponsor, is it, but a media partner of the Olympics, okay. um, you know, for the next few years. What opportunities would that give an advertiser? Because presumably it must be. Well, 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 is the Olympics the biggest? The Olympics is the like, biggest international global event. event. Yeah. It, it's the great equalizer. It brings everybody together, right? You know, the Olympics are going to be a chance for us as a nation, as individual nations, not just, you know, to whatever nation you live in, to get together, to root for the same cause and to really, really support your country or your teams or your favorite sports in a very unique way. So the Olympics are to us incredibly important. We've got this incredible runway over the next few years. We have Paris next year, followed by Milan for the winter Olympics after that, and then back here in the United States for the LA Olympics of 2028. So we've got this incredible runway of multiple cities. And what's great about the Olympics is beyond everything I just said, it's the stories of these Olympians. It's the heart-wrenching tales of what they've gone through. Our fans tune in as much to hear the storylines around each of them as they do to see the actual competition. And I'm especially excited because we're going to be using the backdrop of Paris in such a great and unique way this year. Um, The Olympics, the opening ceremonies, each country will be on its own individual boat going down the Seine River, right? Can you, I I, I get chills just thinking about what that's going to be like with, you know, the whole world watching and them going down the Seine River. We're going to be doing beach volleyball literally in the sand at the base of the Eiffel Tower, tennis at Roland Garros. I mean, just it could go on and on. So we're really, really taking advantage of the beauty and unique nature of the city of Paris, which is going to be very exciting. So we're still, what, just less than a year out from from that now? Yep. What would you say to advertisers who are thinking about getting involved in that now? What, What should they be thinking about at this stage? Well, you know, I think that you think about this is the greatest platform to launch your brand or to have your brand really, really stand out. The whole world is watching. This is a global event. Um, And, you know, it's, you know, it's the Olympics. It's the Paralympics. It's the most 
brand safe, beautiful event that there is. And there's so many different creative marketing executions that could come along with it. So it's really just, you know, there's nothing else like the Olympics. Because it's interesting, is it? Because if you look at the data, you know, we, we, because of the fragmentation of media and channels and which it gives an opportunity, like we just talked about with BravoCon, as an example, there are fewer big set piece events that reach everybody. You know, yeah. Super Bowl is an obvious one, isn't it? Yeah. But Super Bowl and the Olympics yeah. are probably the two big events where you kind of get to reach everybody and, and everyone's together and sees the same thing. That's exactly right. Yeah, more people watch the Olympics in those 17 days than anything else. Yeah. And what would your advice be to advertisers in terms of creativity and how to how to land your message? Because uh, at System One, we, we, we kind of test every suit. We've tested every Super Bowl out for the last few years. And what's really fascinating about it is that the ads that do well are not necessarily talking about the football, you know, even though that's what everyone else is watching. I mean, the, the, and we've got a rank every year of who wins and it's been Microsoft, you know, or it's been Huggies one year or M&Ms, you know. So it's, it's, it's often those uh, brands that tap into story, they tap into kind of culture, they tap into, you know, something very, a story that's broad that kind of unites us as humans. It feels like, you know, Olympics would be the perfect yeah, place well, to do something it's, it's as exactly you know, what unifying we do. as that. It's exactly what we do. We've gone back and we've analyzed close to 700 ads that have run in the Olympics. And we've seen what has been super effective for certain for certain reasons or for other reasons. And we've opened up that data and that information to all of our advertising partners. So when you come on board to buy the Olympics, we can help you make your creative the most effective when you're living within that based upon all of that information and data that we have from all the past Olympics. So it's exactly what we do. No, that's really amazing. And as you look look ahead, so what what would be, what do you see as kind of the big evolution within media kind of coming looking in the future now what would you think what are going to be the big changes we're going to see coming up well i think we're seeing it all in real time right i think the ability to buy programmatically is a very very important thing because it evens the playing field right so if you look at you know the top 200 250 advertisers they're fully penetrated right at a place like nbc universal but now you've got these new players, these direct-to-consumer brands, et cetera, that really want to be able to take advantage of our IP, of our content, all the things that we've been talking about for the last half hour or so. To be able to come in at more entry-level prices, buy programmatically, and utilize our streaming service, our digital offerings as performance marketing for them, which they couldn't do previously, see real-time results, come back optimize your creative, change it and make it work even harder for you. That's the future of where we're going here. So it's walking that fine line of continuing to be a media company while also being a technology company and allowing the next generation of advertisers to take advantage of that. That's really interesting because a lot of startups and scale-ups probably wouldn't consider kind of having their brand on TV, you know, would they? Because they'd, they'd see that as unaffordable or, you know, cost too much to, to yeah. produce. But actually, you've lowered the barrier of entry, haven't you, by having more channels and more audiences? It's, it's how to. you can, it's what your entry level is, how you can do it. We've created a team, a sales team and a marketing team fully dedicated to speak the language of these small and medium business sized businesses. Because we know that their needs, their KPIs are very, very different than those top, you know, 200 that I was referring to. So being able to go in with very, very specific, whether it's digital offerings, whether it's commerce enabled offerings, whether it's programmatic offerings, whatever it may be, utilizing our data, 
Um, we have a tremendous NBC Unified, with over 200 million, you know, unique home data points that we can tap into um, and be able to find and truly prove performance marketing within the world of NBC Universal as a game changer. Yeah. We, we did this study actually at System One. Um, it's called Scaling Up Without Screwing Up. Whereas actually we looked at, to, back to the advertising testing, we looked at um, uh, the average performance of uh, mature ad- ad- advertisers, right? And then we looked at new to TV advertisers. And it, on average, it took four years for the f- new to TV advertisers to catch up with the established advertisers. So we, we wrote this piece called Scaling Up Without Screwing Up, which is what all the small advertisers could learn from the big advertisers so that they could get, you know, get up and running straight away. Um, and what, what would you guys do? In, in, I mean, do you do production and creative for small advertisers as well? Do you help we them with that? Presumably with the access you've got to. Yeah. So it's, it's whatever their needs are, right? So we can create, you know, whether it's TV creative, whether it's digital creative, we optimize it in real time, right? So if you're one of these brands that come on to Peacock, our Peacock ad innovations are very, very, you know, successful, we can give you know, 10, 20, 70 different iterations of an ad innovation based upon the audience that you're trying to reach and make sure it's targeted to them specifically from what color the background is to what the messaging is to where your logo can appear on the actual ad itself. We can really, truly tailor that. Josh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. And I must must ask you, any last tickets for BravoCon? Well, I don't know. If you're willing to come work with us, you know, we could put you to work there. I, you know? I, I will pull beers. I will serve <laughs> the drinks. I'm there, Well, man. then we, we'll get you in there. <laughs> get we'll me get in, you in. All, right. All right. Look forward to it. Thanks, right. mate. Thanks for listening to the Uncensored CMO. I hope you enjoyed that. If you never want to miss an episode again, please do hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're watching on YouTube, click on subscribe there too. If you want to follow me, you can do. I'm over at John Evans on LinkedIn or find me on Twitter as well at Uncensored CMO. Thanks again for listening and watching. I'll see you next time.